Go ninja, go ninja, go, go. Oh, it's not that one. We watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, which means it's time for another Portland at the movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all. I don't think I'll ever laugh again. Hello and welcome to another edition of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven and joining me as always is Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm very well today. And fresh off the bridge pedal, we have the Unipiper, Brian Kidd. How are you, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm most excited for? What's that? I'm most excited for talking about the movie that we're going to be talking about on the next episode. <laughs> 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 That's a guarantee for the for the end of the episode, I guess. So we have uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three this month, and right off the bat, I found something interesting about this is that I hear it referenced a lot as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, Turtles in Time. This is an unsubtitled movie, but everybody refers to it as Turtles in Time. Well, it was the working title of the movie. But I think what people are probably referring to is that it was part of a sort of marketing blitz that all happened around the same time. And there was a video game that came out called Turtles in Time. There was. There was a lot. This movie is also hard to Google because anything Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 is either a game or the new one. You have to put I, I, I. <laughs> you have to use the Roman numerals to find anything about it. Or just type the sucky one. The crappy one. I did find a really interesting, and I'm hoping that it uh, is, uh, they have this for all of the movies that we're going to do, but the American Film Institute had a yeah. whole page about the production of this movie. So I'm going to read a little bit about this because I, I think the most interesting thing about this movie is the why and the how i think like why well, did, i think the why was money why why did they do this to us before you you go too too far down there, okay note that the uh wikipedia article for this movie literally says at the top do not be confused with teenage mutant ninja turtles turtles in time <laughs> And then what does that take you to if you click on that? The video game? Uh, That's my guess. I think it takes you to the video game. Interesting. It, yes. Yeah, goes to the video game. Weird, yeah. So, so this, that is not the title. That is not the title, but yeah. So Time Traveling Turtles is like a It was thing the tagline. In, the turtles are back, dot, 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 in time <laughs> is the tagline. And they so stole that, that straight the from the Back to the Future movie right. poster. <laughs> Along with the bringing a Walkman into a past, uh, into the past thing. But we'll get to that for... But for a little overview, I thought it was interesting, so I'm going to read some of the points of this. So on uh, March 27, 1991, the Golden Harvest Pictures announced that it would develop Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 for $17 million. Well, now, they announced that in 91? In 91. When did the first movie I, come out? Uh, it was either 89 or 90. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 90. I, I have all of my VHS here, including wow. a special 
<clears throat> making of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles behind the shells cassette. Yeah. Wow, they I'm, cranked these out. Not to be confused with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of their shell, the live touring performance. I noticed that was missing yes, from your I, collection here. Do you I, have it? I don't have it. I am still on the lookout. I don't know if they ever released it on VHS or oh, it's just... Todd, do, what? What, did you not eat at Pizza Hut in the 90s? <laughs> Probably not. Because... Pretty much every pizza you bought came with a copy of that tour on VHS. Oh, wow. I guess nobody ever got rid of it then because I've never come across it in all I, my I searching. I feel like I see it all the time. You, well, you have to get me a copy. Uh, yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze is my biggest seller. I make, uh, for those that don't know, I make <laughs> notebooks out of, of old VHS boxes. And every time I set that out, it gets this huge reaction. Now, one thing I did do, um, not to just detract too much, uh, is that I did watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1 and 2 in addition to... Because I realized I had never seen any of them. Any of them? Any of them. I Where thought, were you? I, uh, well, I was just getting into high school. It had four things that I was very disinterested in. <laughs> teenage Mutants, Ninjas, and Turtles. And so I just didn't think it was for me. And I just never... It was just never a thing that was on my radar. And obviously by the time that number 2 came out, it was focus mainly towards kids it became a very much a cartoon at that okay point. so this is a really interesting situation that we're in um so my history with the turtles uh it was like prime time for my childhood um so the first movie i saw and i was never a big turtle guy like it was the thing all my friends were into and i wasn't actively against it i was just already into ghostbusters and that okay. was my thing so i saw the first movie and it was fine i actually saw the second movie in theaters so how old were you at the time then that's like 89 90 91 so 89 i would have been six okay seven okay yeah so by the time the second I, the second movie i just fell in love with i was obsessed with the second movie okay um and uh the, i remember then but not the first one it just didn't one? strike you as much I, for some reason because that's what so i'm trying to parse was like everybody remembers the second one and i'm trying to figure out is that just because of the vanilla ice ninja rap song well partly yes but me personally i remember going to the first one the first one was a little bit darker and it was i feel like it made for a the little first bit one had an underground audience. children's fight club where they were all fighting each other and drinking and at the end of the movie splinter the rat throws uh shredder the main bad guy off the roof of a building into yeah. a trash compactor where our other hero casey jones crushes him to death in the compactor yeah so it, I remember it being just, <sighs> just a, little, a little darker, a bit yeah. dark and like boring for me as a six year old. Right. And the second one, you know, was like bright colors and over the top. And it just really clicked with a seven year old. Totally. So and then so I remember being pretty excited to see the third one. And then I was so disappointed because I don't think it was the movie anybody wanted which is interesting because I, I was I was trying to figure out would this movie have worked the the plot of this movie would would it have worked with a different writer or a different director or is it just fundamentally that the story is dumb and and broken? I think putting the turtles in feudal Japan just kind of sounds <laughs> boring. Like it sounds like a history lesson. 
you right. know because apparently as, as part of these notes uh the the director stuart the director and writer uh stuart gillard who has done he's still working a lot of these actors that have been in this are have been constantly working he has but he's done this is the only movie that he did it was all tv before and all tv after and i think that really affected the way that this movie looked mm. small and it felt it more TV felt than very it did contained. movie especially in I mean they shot this um in, a lot of this in the in the woods in the forest and even those shots didn't feel like a huge vista and and all of that so I think that yeah. added to the problem you're right it did kind of have the feel of a TV show totally and mm-hmm. but he apparently went to visit uh Eastman and Laird about what to do with the story and they all together apparently collaborated and thought uh, that a travel a time travel script based on a comic that followed Michelangelo on adventures to, into feudal Japan. <clears throat> I mean, you kind of want to see the turtles running around in the streets of New York. Like, that's what's iconic. And then in this movie, half the movie, they're in, like, um, a samurai disguise. And you can't even hardly tell that they're turtles. And it's like, why, why even have the turtles at that point? Right, when you're covering them with masks. So now, Mark, what was your, do you have, you're a little bit older than me. So, so, I'm so in the wait, middle of you two. Wait, Todd, so, okay. so you saw all three movies for the first time. I did. We'll obviously get into the third one, but yeah. like, what was your take on the first two? Uh, the first two I was, and I kind of knew this going into that, was a little, it was a little quote unquote grittier, which is a dumb word because it's, I mean, it was, but I knew that after the first one came out, there was an out, a parental outcry about how kind of violent and, and underground or whatever. Like I said, there's a full-on fight club there where runaway kids are drinking and smoking and all of that stuff. And so that's why by you, you get to number two, and it's very much a cartoon. They don't use their weapons at all in number two as far as I remember. Wow. Um, especially the nunchucks. Nunchucks in England in English yeah. movies are banned. Um, and so in this, in number three, they, they do use their weapons kind of, but it's just such a boring cartoon at that point that you don't really care. But I, I did think that they were fun. I did enjoy them on a level. Um, but I think it's a, a very much a nostalgia trip, especially for number two oh, because yeah. of the vanilla ice connection. Okay. Mark, uh, your, your turtle history. Uh, so I, Graduated high school in 89 okay. and joined the Navy. And so <laughs> I um, I wasn't a fan of the movies, um, but I played the video game a lot. Okay. And so the arcade game was pretty fantastic. Is that it the one with the four you could four all people. play? Yeah. Okay. It had the yeah. digitized voices. Oh, interesting. Cowabunga. Yeah. Now, that was an interesting thing. I, who used Cowabunga first? Bart, Bart Simpson, Simpson or, or, or was it the turtles, turtles kind of quote, hipply quoting the Simpsons? Because mm-hmm. uh, they're both coming t- out at sort of the same time, the there, late 80s. There were a lot of pop culture references in the turtle movies. Tons. Oh, you mean like Wayne Newton? <laughs> Wayne Which every Newton kid of the every, 90s <laughs> loved the Wayne Newton references. I laughed out loud. <laughs> it was kind of funny. At the way. <laughs> um, but so, oh yeah, go ahead. I did notice that they did not say Cowabunga once in Turtles 3. <clears throat> oh, you're right. They didn't. No. Was it copyrighted? I, and they couldn't get the copyright. I doubt it. Would be sad. I wonder if by that point, everyone it was kind of cli- too cli- uh-huh. even too cliche for, for the, the turtles to say their own catchphrase. They, it's possible. they would mock it or something. They even. did say "I'll be back" as well. At some they uh, right this movie 
then the same as uh, Vernonia incident, which we did last last uh, month, which was nothing but ADR, where they come in after the fact and they re-record all the dialogue. All of the dialogue with the turtles and everyone around them just felt like ADR flop sweat. Like they knew they had to fill these moving mouths and it had to be funny and they're just trapped in a booth all day saying anything that they can think of to do and, and it just it all there ended was up in so there. much side chatter uh yeah. you know slipping in jokes it felt very like popeye the movie uh like when robin williams is is popeye and yeah. there's just there's his dialogue but then there's his side little, dialogue right. his little quips and little chirps and little things that he would say yeah it's like they just had to fill right we have to fill something something has to be there i should watch that one day popeye popeye yeah i know that you can still go to the village they built for the movie it's now it's a a tourist destination oh really it's some island i think in the mediterranean or something uh also something i found interesting so uh cory feldman famously (laughs) is back as the voice of donatello the sciencey one in this one which makes him uh, on three of our Portland at the movies list if we count Stand By Me. So Stand By Me, Goonies, and... Uh, yeah. And... So especially, you know, Astoria, that's a pretty strong that's connection. That's two in, Austra- in yeah. Australia. In Astoria. <laughs> and Australia. Um, and Robbie Rist, who is one of the voices, one of the weirdest things... Are you going I, I <laughs> to go think, ahead? I think this is what I sent Mark a photo of. If you want to pull that up, keep going, Todd. At the end of the movie where they have uh, all the they're showing the credits and the voices and stuff like that. And Robbie Rist, who I believe was uh, known, I guess, for being the voice, has a R with the circle. The yes, registered, registered trademark. trademark after his name. Yeah. I, it says voices. Michelangelo, Robbie Rist, registered trademark. Leonardo, Brian Tochi. Caught me so off guard. I had to take a screenshot of it. That was really weird. So his name must be copyrighted, I, I guess. I Googled to try and figure that out and I couldn't find anything. Or maybe there was another another Robbie Rist uh, that already had took that name. Huh. You know who maybe this Robbie different... Rist is, right? No. He is the little boy who played Cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch. What? Really? Uh huh. No. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. I did not know that. Yes. Well, that makes it even stranger. It I don't want to know even there's, more now. There's no need to copyright your name <laughs> in Hollywood as as SAG right. makes that. Yeah, well, it that's does what I'm that wondering for if you, he basically. had to add that. So like the, only, the only thing I could find out about that, you know, in IMDb, uh, when you look up someone's name and sometimes their name is credited slightly different and it'll say like in a certain movie credited yeah, sure. as, as. And so it was like in Turtles Robert 3 Twist. credited as Robbie Riss registered trademark. <laughs> Oh, As if that Lord. was a different spelling of his name. <laughs> yeah, that was really super weird. Cousin Oliver, wow. Yeah. So go back to that slide one more. We got. Uh, so speaking of Corey Feldman, mm-hmm. um, so he was the voice of Donatello in the first movie, right? And then not the second movie. No. Um, and then so I think this was their way of apologizing for not including him in the second in the movie, second one, like, the one that um, everyone loves, and Corey, Corey Feldman. Feldman put his name all by itself. He gets an and credit, yeah. Uh, Splinter is also played. There's a couple big changes in this movie. I'm not done with Corey Feldman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Get this. I'm not done with Corey Feldman. How much Who money is? do you think he made in the first, for the first oh, For the film? first yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Um, Doing the voice, providing so like his, his, his star talent. 
Um, a million dollars. Mark, do you have that a guess? Seems way high. It seems high too, but uh, I'll, I'll stay with that. Million. Oh. Okay. Uh, in the first movie, Corey, Pel- Corey Feldman was paid fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Now, did what? he get like any sort of back end deal where if they I play hope it, he got some residuals? Although, again, like you pointed out, nobody really talks about the first one, they only talk about the second one, right? Which he, which he is in. not part of. Now, oh, Corey Feldman, how much do you think they paid him for the third one? So he got 150 mm. grand for the first one, oh, no, 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 $1,500. That's obscene. <laughs> Um. Oh, I don't million know. dollars. Okay, so a um, hundred thousand. I found this on the internet and I forgot to source it, it's so I, right. I, I apologize. But I'm <laughs> quoting here now from the internet: Producers invited Corey Feldman to reprise his role from the first film as Donatello. The filmmakers told Corey they felt bad about not casting him for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2: The Secret of the Use. However, when Corey asked for more money than the fifteen hundred dollars he was paid on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Corey was told. Yeah, but you were in rehab. Corey was denied the raise and was again paid $1,500. No. Oh, no. What? That is awful. That's, that was probably less than if you would just get another talented voice da- actor to do daily it. Daily stipend, uh, you know, uh, of the background actors were... <laughs> You know, if you're in the that DMZ, is, you've got to make more than that. I hope he recorded his, all of his dialogue in one day at least. I would hope so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you, Sorry, Corey. You need a new agent, you buddy. A new agent. Well, at that time, yeah. Well, I guess if you're in rehab all the time. But uh, so the, the original, it was $17 million to make this. It ballooned up to $22 million. And even though it made around $42 million, so it doubled its budget. Um, it was considered a big failure because it was like way less than the, the, the others. Other it's had. just the law of diminishing returns. And yeah. I, I truly think that's the, you know, the only reason they made this movie, they're like, oh, it's not as popular, but we're still going to be we're able to make milk one more money. out of yeah. it. And they was supposed to shoot in Vancouver, Canada. Yep. And it had this, uh, what I thought, speaking of sad Corey Feldman, uh, <laughs> this isn't sad Corey Feldman, but it's like if the city was Corey Feldman. We need a sad Corey Feldman, Jeff. It was supposed to, yeah, it was supposed to be uh, in Canada, but the last minute change due to strict uh, scheduling demand and cheaper studio space so man when your movie needs somewhere cheaper than Canada to film <laughs> the to last it. minute change was a great disappointment uh, disappointment to the Vancouver film community which had spent more than a year making preparations including plans to accommodate the project's budgetary restrictions by its assembling a crew made up of members of the Association of Canadian Film Craftspeople <laughs> Uh, it's probably for the better. Uh, yeah, Vancouver. they probably don't want their stink <laughs> or this stink on them. But, uh, you know, we, we now have this movie as part of our film legacy. Um, but what kind of sucks is it didn't really give us anything. Like, there's no... They filmed it all in a hangar that they turned into a soundstage. And then there's really no location in a story that you can go visit, you know. Right. It, it yeah, they had uh, four locations built in in some hangars, and then they had um, the waterfall, um, the waterfall scene. What was that? That waterfall. Young's, Young's Falls. Yep. Young Falls. Young, Young Falls. Falls. And the saddle Saddleback Mountain is that what it is? Saddle Mountain. The saddle Mountain. Because um, they built it's the highest mountain on the coast range. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Uh, so they had those, but yeah, the rest of it was interior. They took the 
set of the subway tunnel that they lived in in part two. I thought it looked pretty good. And they shipped that out to Astoria and rebuilt that inside one of the warehouses. So that set was pretty yeah. decent. But again, it felt so small. The, the turtle suits, that was an interesting yeah. thing in the evolution of the series because they are different <clears throat> in each one. The first two were, mil- were built by uh, Jim Henson's Creature Shop. The third one was not. And these just looked like costumes you'd find at the Halloween store, I thought. They were yeah, so their necks weren't even blended in. It scene. was just like them wearing hats. I have not seen the first two in a very long time. Was it like did it really stand out when it you really saw it? It really stood out. It looked even the ones in number two uh were pretty good. These ones just and then they had those weird spots all over them. Those were not yeah. part of the first two. Really? Their eye their masks were like set off of their faces all strangely. It was just all very it was just very strange. Hmm. Um, there was, I read, I'm, I'm going to pull it up. I think it was on the IMDb page for this movie. Um, oh, but it was created by um, the technology and the handiwork of Eric Allard and Rick Stratton uh, included the television show uh, Max Headroom and hmm. the Energizer Bunny. Uh, Stratton won an Emmy for the makeup effects for Alien Nation. So, hmm. well, that's weird. Oh, and in the very first one, April O'Neil has played, and you probably said this on the episode, but it meant nothing to me. Uh, April O'Neil has played with the mom from Halloween Town. What? 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 Uh, what, what? <laughs> yes. In the first movie? The first movie, April O'Neil is played by a different person. Oh. And, and it's was... the mom that we look up her name now. I, that. I, okay, it's coming back to me. It's coming back to me. I vaguely and remember even that. On, even on IMDb, you have to put the... Um, I I I, because they want. If you type in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, it does not even suggest it. It you have to. It's like on, it's like on Pirate Bay. If you if you're like off by one letter or whatever, it's like we don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's the same thing on Internet Movie Database for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. <laughs> oh wait, I was looking for the first one. So Paige Turco, who also did, uh, was April O'Neil in the second one. Here's the fact that I was looking for. It says the animatronic heads of Michelangelo and Leonardo from this movie are now in the hands of an obsessed turtle fan named Michelle Ivy. She bought them for thirty eight hundred dollars U.S. Wow, that's more than Corey Feldman made. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but uh, she bought it for two Corey Feldman salaries. I've got five dollars. <laughs> that says Michelle Ivy contributed that fact. <laughs> Totally. I want to talk to Michelle Ivy and ask her all about her life choices. Do you think she still takes those heads out and wears them around? Eyes are going off in different directions. <laughs> totally. uh, Judith Hogue is who played yeah, uh, April O'Neil in the first oh, uh, one hand, who is huh. the mom from Halloween Town, which yeah. is our first episode. Uh, another connection. So we were talking about how... Why feudal Japan? Yeah. Um, so, are you familiar familiar with the kappa? Uh, that was what is the, the demon, what, right? The kappa. It is the demon that they reference in the uh, in in the. Is story. this the inexplicable scroll they have of the comic version of the Ninja Turtles from the 1600s? They. It is okay. And well, so, um, I I now direct your attention. <laughs> Uh, uh, that screen froze, so that one doesn't work. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Uh, uh, I don't. Oh, I have a very fundamental question about 
the scroll in 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 particular? Should I wait until after we I, we find? I have a lot of time travel questions. <clears throat> okay, in this universe. My my fundamental oh, yeah, so time travel is, is le, I guess we should set up this movie in, in principle. So they oh yeah the well, ninja, this movie was about something. <laughs> what was it about? The Ninja Turtle April O'Neil finds some sort of scepter at a garage sale that magically the bins, probably that the, <laughs> oh. at, the, at the Goodwill outlet bins in New York City in Brooklyn uh, that transports her and the four turtles back to feudal Japan. And the way that they find out that this works is mass displacement, where in order to travel back, you have to have people of the exact same, same weight. St- weight and mass to come to the present. So four samurai from feudal Japan show up in in modern in modern New York City, or I guess in 1993 New York City, as the turtles go back in time. And they just happen to weigh the same as a seven-foot-tall mutant turtle? <laughs> The whole thing is so absurd. There is there's no rules set up to the scepter. At the end of the movie, it seems like the thing is going off every five minutes. Yeah. What but nothing it? activates it. They have a, an exact same one in feudal Japan that also has to be activated at the same time. Well it's the same scepter, you know, just in a different time. Oh yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> I actually thought that was clever that it was an I object. Guess. I'm not even smart enough to get <laughs> to get the cleverness of. But here's my question. So they go back there in feudal Japan and all the people in feudal Japan think obviously that the Ninja Turtles are demons because they are crazy monsters. Right. They called them a Kappa. Kappa. Okay. Right. And that's what Mark's going to school us in. Mark's going to school us in Kappa. But my question is they pull out this <clears throat> scroll in feudal Japan that has cartoon drawings of the Ninja Turtles that they keep referring to. This is the. Ca- so the Teenage Mutant. Now, I don't know a lot about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They were created by ooze in the sewer system of New York City. Yes. How are they in like 14th century Japan? They those same ones. They time traveled with the scepter. So that scroll was the story of <clears throat> them. That scroll was probably a prophecy. Todd, did you ever see Evil Dead? <laughs> it's the same reason that Ash is this in the movie Necronomicon. Exactly needs to be compared to a Sam Raimi movie. <laughs> <gasps> A Sam Raimi directed Ninja Turtles actually would that probably would do be really pretty well. cool. We can have a redo. All right, so are we good? So this is the... an actual diagram of a kappa from uh, Japanese folklore. So, oh, it, cool! It is a man-like. A kappa is an amphibious, Ooh, amphibious. demon found in traditional Japanese folklore. They're typically depicted as green. Human-like beings with webbed hands and feet, with a turtle shell, uh, li- turtle shell-like carapace on its back. The kappa are known to favor cucumbers and love to engage in sumo wrestling. Here's here's the the awesome bit. Uh, they're often accused of assaulting humans in water and removing a mythical organ called the shirakodama from their victim's anus. <laughs> Well, then I wouldn't be surprised if this was uh, the origin of. <laughs> There's a side by side there of the the Japanese kappa with Raphael, the Ninja Turtle, but um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if that was the actual inspiration for I think the it Mutant was. Ninja Turtles, which is why when they met with Eastman and Laird, they were like, well, why not take... It's the Ninja Turtles origin story. How do we get I them did back not to at all Japan. understand that that scroll was supposed to be... Because they weren't done having their adventures. How would the scroll... They, they hadn't done it the first time. Well, just call it a prophecy. Yeah, so it's a prophecy... So my very my theory specific was looking prophecy. What what I was hoping for was at the end of the movie, they went further back in time. Oh right, to plant that to plant you know, see, and, and that makes sense. Or like on the way back, they accidentally go back further before they right get all the way back right. to the future, and so they are their own prophecy. Wow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. This this movie is way deeper it's than I so thought. It's so deep. It's so philosophical. Deep. <laughs> really. <laughs> it's also a little bit racist in parts. Uh, which uh, not well, as. What was your favorite racist? My favorite moment? part was where uh, Corey Feldman says to a Japanese kid, "Wow, you guys really do have a great educational system." Oh yeah, I caught that. <laughs> And he also says hail wasabi at some point while trying to. Oh, he says Ohio wasabi. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> and then that translates to uh, oh. hello mustard. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. Oh, but no, that same scene, they uh, start throwing out other words like Kawasaki. Kawasaki and, and Suzuki. <laughs> yeah. He also says as he's trying to escape from somewhere. But that reminds me about something fundamental that I meant to ask you, Mark. So you're uh, basically kind of unfamiliar with the Ninja Turtles. Could right. you describe from this movie any of their personalities? Oh. Ooh. No. Like, I mean, I... Like, what makes only each turtle because, different? Only because I did some reading. Okay. Uh, can I reference that? Because I do know that they do have slightly different personalities, but... Uh, in in this movie, uh, Michelangelo was more of a wanderer. Like he 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 ended up uh, being taken by a horse elsewhere, and right. the other three needed to find him. Right, he uh, was like the mopey, yeah, on his own one. And, and then there was the there science was like, one. Right, and there seemed to be like this um, romantic tension between. Michelangelo and the girl Which or something and was weird. Weird. It was weird. Yeah. That they had a mutant ninja turtle wanting to stay behind. Stay behind for a human a female. And he, that he, he was expecting her to be like all on board with it. He probably wanted her sphincter dama. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you say it? Nailed it. But that was crazy at the end where he's like, I'm going to stay back here. I want to be with you. Like she was just going to be like, oh, okay, you mutant ninja turtle. Oh, yes. <laughs> I will stay with you. That that was stupid. But I'm going to I'll give a little a little um, taste of how they talk and the dialogue. Oh, and poor Splinter. Splinter was not uh, in the first. It was played by Kevin Clash, who was also the voice of Elmo and a oh. puppeteer of the Henson Company. Oh, cool. Um, and he was great. But, uh, Splinter in the first two were awesome. In this one, he was never shown from the waist down. He was barely moving. In the other ones, he was like walking around. He gets in a fight at the end. His face is expressive and he's doing stuff. This one, clearly they did not have the budget, budget. to do right. any of that. He's like in a boxcar. Yeah, or like sitting on a sofa where you know like it's just someone's hand behind the sofa and he's not moving. Um, So his voice was way off too, which is a shame. But here's... 
this is 13 minutes into the movie where they um, have disappeared into the past and are trying and they immediately figure out what's happening. And it's just lunacy. So. It's magic powers and somehow transported them both through time. Hold on, dudes. If April's back in feudal Japan, does that mean we, like, have to ride that scepter back through time to get her? You have no choice, my... You have what? no choice. <laughs> what? That is our one and only choice, is clearly this thing that we didn't know the existence of 20 minutes ago. We ha- And then they figure out just as easily the mass displacement thing, which they all switch clothes, too, when they travel back in time and, and have to trade. And the clothes, like, change size to fit the body of the person. <clears throat> Although April does take her headphones back somehow. Yeah, she takes her Walkman back. Yeah. So, so not every... Yeah, it, I was hoping they would they, use that in like like they did in Back right. to the Future because she was brought up in front of the Emperor or whatever and called a witch and I was like oh cool she's gonna use the Walkman to like but no it just nope. she it turns on accidentally and then they smash it with samurai swords and that all is done <laughs> we don't need to talk about that anymore uh so yeah there are no rules to the magic scepter it just sort of works whenever the the plot it's a true deus ex machina it's an actual machine that just does things the plot needs it to as far as i could tell it's uh somebody in the past had to be touching it at the same time somebody in the present was touching it and then they had to but they were all touching it all the time (laughs) somehow and then somehow the person in the past had to activate it and then at some point there was a they chanted once the very first time when the samurais activated they had to say a chant of some sort but I didn't really feel like there were hard and fast they rules to the no. to the whole thing. Um, I was trying to uh, look at the cast of the actors in this movie and see if there was any connections to or anything interesting and I found one interesting bit uh, in this movie um, somebody uh, the actor named. Uh, Sorry, the um, character named Dave was played by someone named Edmund Stone. Do you know that name, Edmund Stone? I don't. He is the host of um, on uh, the Portland All Classical Radio Station. He hosts the Score, which is uh, a nationally syndicated uh, radio show about movie uh, scores. Oh wow! And he's actually uh, fairly well known. Oh, interesting. Um, and so he's, he's, you know, kind of a Portland minor celebrity. Yeah. And, uh, oh, we should have him on and, and, and talk was, all about it. He played Dave. There was, Dave. There was another, um, there was another, and I couldn't find it. I was telling you guys about it beforehand, an article I found uh, that was written by someone who was a kid at the time. This was being filmed in a story on his uh, His parents, I think, both were extras in it, or, or not extras. Uh, he w- The dad was one of the thugs, the English thugs, because there's English people in this movie as well to justify the fact that everybody else knows how to speak English. Um, but his dad played one of like the henchmen of that group. I wonder if it was Dave. It may, well, <laughs> I don't think it's Dave and I want to very explicitly say it was not Dave because uh, it apparently the dad ended up uh, finding new love on the set and it, like it tore the family apart. And it was like this big drama around Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. So, uh, and then I couldn't find the article again, so you'll have to you'll have to try to look for that yourself. But Mark, another question I had about this: so you, would you be uh, tell me? Uh, so we talked about the turtles. Uh, we talked about Splinter, who was obviously their wise master. There was also another person who hung out in the present time with Splinter, the guy with long hair that oh, liked yeah. hockey. 
Would you be <laughs> shocked to know he was one of the main heroes of the first movie? Yes. He was <laughs> He was the main but, well, He was the fifth turtle basically in the first movie. In the uh credits and in IMDb, he is cast first. First. Yep. Eli's before Cody's. everyone else. Who apparently is on all the Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago CIS. Yeah. He's like yeah, he's he's old. He's been now, working forever is, too, yeah. He has, yeah. But he he was <clears throat> barely barely in this movie. Yeah. And I don't know why he was in this movie. And it just doesn't make maybe sense. you are fan service. Maybe you knew this, but he also so he he Casey Jones, which is a part of the Ninja Troll gang, uh he he stays in the in the present with Splinter. But there's another character that populates the past of a guy that's been imprisoned by the emperor, some English guy um, that eventually April gets put in jail too, and they escape together and he kind of becomes part of their team, but a traitor, kind of one of those people. It's the same actor. The same actor as the guy, Elias Cody is, played that guy. Do you know who we're talking about in this they movie? Played what? The bearded guy that was in jail and then like he tagged along and then was a traitor for a little bit, but then at the end... He, he was the same guy? That's the same actor And as that's why it said Elias whatever slash, slash gif or yes. gif or whatever. It was like... <laughs> it was whatever his name was. I, no. yeah, I don't remember what his name was. No, the same was. guy playing oh. both roles. Not ever mentioned. The only thing that happens is when April first sees him, she's like, y- you look familiar or whatever. Wit. 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 <laughs> Brother. I would describe this this movie as the the Lack soul. Of. Yeah, <laughs> the bre- brevity is the soul of wit. Um, but he he plays both parts. It's never mentioned. April when he first meets him is like, "Don't I know you?" And he's like, "No." And they're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, it's never mentioned again. If it's like a ancestor or it's never yeah never tied in that it, that was a setup. They had the last same last name or whatever. Not even that. And he does nothing in the future except teach samurais how to play hockey right and i think that's his he played out. hockey in the first one too that must be his he's got yeah, in yeah, the comics he, that's his, in the comics he, he wears a com, a um oh, a hockey mask. mask oh okay wow yes my my unfamiliarity with the source material is really showing here <clears throat> but i thought that too when i saw the first one i'm like this guy's in the whole movie and he's one of the main characters that was a different it actor in the crazy. first movie right no no same. it was yeah it was him yeah. um uh, I I really was disappointed for the whole movie being ADR, the dialogue being so not clever. Like they had extra time to write better things, and they didn't. It was really yeah, uh, and it was just a stream of like really topical, uh, you know, jokes that were going to age in six months. This is also the era of Aladdin, so and which changed everything for kids movies because then every kids movie needed a fast talking Robin Williams genie who did nothing but make pop culture. I mean, Shrek is the direct irritating descendant of making these pop culture references that last six months and are no longer funny. And so this, I think either came out, must've been at the same time, but I think was probably um, trying to build off of that same formula of, 
just fill it. We got to say, if you say 20 things and one of them is funny, that's great. We'll keep them all in and people will, people will love it. Yeah. They were saying things like, I, I'm, I'm falling and I can't get up. Yep, and I, yeah. it's hammer time, which is interesting because MC hammer was in the soundtrack of the first of movie. The first one, the vanilla ice. This one had, and by this point, MC hammer was getting pretty old. <laughs> Old news. He was old. He was the cowabunga of the music thing. But when uh, you mentioned it earlier, when he said, I'll be back, did you notice that the lips on the animatronic head did not move at all? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Uh, they also said once, uh, this is, at one point, one of them says, Kurt Russell, eat your heart out. Yeah. <laughs> it, a reference from Overboard. Because he was being thrown into the water. Uh, oh, wow. So Speaking that, of other movies filmed near Astoria, was it Overboard? I had no idea. Someone, and I, don't, I, did, I haven't looked into it. I don't, know if the whole, I don't think the whole thing was. But, um, I that was that know. remake, right? There's like the remake. And I don't know something? if, yeah, with Anna. No, I think it's like right now. Oh, yeah, Anna Ferris. Um, <sighs> there is a part of this movie that is so upsetting. And that is when there is this six-year-old boy who receives mouth-to-mouth resuscitation <laughs> from one of the Ninja Turtles He's and just... not from far away from two different angles we see literal mouth-to-mouth of a mutant Ninja Turtle and a small boy and it was so awful it's a good thing it wasn't trying to you know take his other uh, skino comma dama <laughs> It was just terrible. So, uh, Rafa, is that Rafa? I don't know. Uh, Leonardo. I, I don't know. Leonardo. So, he, he develops this relationship with this six-year-old boy for no reason. Like, we see, he gets, he saves the kid from a fire. Uh, and then he sneaks up on the kid in the middle of the night in the kid's bedroom <laughs> where the kid says, you're going to die. Or whatever. It right. sounds like the exorcist. Right. You're going to die up there, you know. <laughs> no, it sounds like the uh, old lady in uh, Poltergeist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, going to die. Anyway, so yeah, he says that. But then he's acting paternal toward this child that he has no relationship with. And then we get the scene we've all been waiting for in our Ninja Turtle movies where a Ninja Turtle flies a kite with a small boy. <laughs> And then later at the end, he says to the kid, um, don't forget to watch that temper. And the kid has never been angry. They've never had a discussion about this. He was completely reasonable in the scene that they had just acted. And as the boy is walking away, or that's when he, I think he was going back to back to the future. He was like giving his little advice to the boy. Don't forget to watch that temper. Oh, tomorrow you might die is what the kid says. Right. Why is the turtle trying to, that's right after I just wrote how and then gave up because there were so many how questions I had about it all that I'd uh. so is there anything redeeming in this movie I didn't enjoy it <laughs> I, I was like no I was cursing Todd the whole time <laughs> so what what is it about this movie that doesn't work then is it the whole premise it's is it boring it is boring. Like the second one is just—it's bad, also, but it's like so it's over the top. Bonkers nineties. Yeah, you, it's you—you you can't help but be entertained. This is just so boring. It is the closest you you can come to that the the metaphor of the gun that flavor has been chewed out. 
Yeah. Like, it's kind of the same. It had, like, I the fight scenes were almost it, a little better than the second one, I thought, because I think the second one was so cartoony. This, this movie, one had some of that, I guess. It wasn't incompetently put together. Right. Um, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just in the middle, and that makes it forgettable. Yeah. And like a movie called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 that involves time travel, the last thing you <laughs> want that movie to be is forgettable. Yeah, and boring. Yeah. <sighs> what a downer this movie was. <laughs> okay, here's a question. Okay. Todd, why did you choose this movie out of all of the movies we had all on our list? All the movies we had, well, we were already in Vernonia, which is part of the, this is, of course, part of the summer road trip. This is our uh, Oregon Staycation Oregon Staycation. 2018. I think I chose it because I've been so curious about it. It, it baffled me not only because I, not growing up with them, I don't think I was really aware. You didn't know any better because you had seen it. I didn't know it. any better. I knew, I mean, I obviously knew references and I've seen probably the whole movie in gift form of Secret of the Ooze. Um, I, I guess I sort of knew the third one came out, but then the fact that it was all shot here was so intriguing to me. I just kind of needed to figure out how and why this happened. They but, also never showed, they showed one uh, stock footage shot of New York City because technically they're in a sewer yeah. in New York. They didn't use any like bustling street scenes. The second one, the second Ninja Turtles <laughs> opens up with a whole scene where like everyone on New York City on like on a real New York street is eating like this ridiculously cheesy pizza and everyone's like, oh, whoa, pizza. And like it's it's stupid, but it's like, oh, this establishes you in New York. Yeah. They didn't use any. They used <clears throat> one stock footage of the skyline with the Twin Towers from like yeah. 100 well, miles away. It and was, that was it put together just like a TV show, like Friends or something, you know, yeah. where you see the establishing shot. Totally. And then you're and like, you'd think in the this guy would have known that he's a TV guy. Yeah. <laughs> he well, has no excuse. That's, well, that's what he did. Uh, but just once in the middle of the movie. Like, I mean, like they never, the turtles never leave the sewer. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to see the turtles in New York. In like, New York. Interacting. And... It was all robbed of that. Ugh. So yeah, this movie, not good. Yeah. Why does he, why? There's the English bad guy at the end. Why, when he's escaping, does he take his bird with him? He takes uh, his bird in the no. bird cage, which he's talked to once in the movie he turns around to grab it before escaping. I think that's supposed to be character development. It it was baffling. <laughs> I, I had nothing. <sighs> Any last thoughts? Um, I guess we should talk about locations. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, why don't you? <laughs> there's not a many. I mean, there's there's the warehouse with the four interior shots, but yeah. then there are also a couple outdoor. I thought the waterfall was very nice. Um, there, there are a couple of shots where you see like mountains in the background. They did build a whole village out there at some point, some clear cut, uh, right. piece of, that's probably the best use of a clear cut forest I've ever is seen to build a feudal Japanese village there. Right. Why 1603? I, this movie came out in 1993. Why did they make it 90 years and, or like 390 years and not an even 400? I don't know. Huh. Oh yeah, that's another good question. Is like there's nothing within the scepter to control how, how far back in the past or the future tra- you're going to yeah, travel. Yeah, there's no, there's no that and their whole. We didn't even get to this. They <laughs> when they're in the, we're going to have to dive back into it. I guess 
when they're in the past, they they lose the scepter, so they can't. They have some for some reason they have sixty hours in which to get back to present day New York. That just seemed like an arbitrary rule. Completely arbitrary reason that they come throughout. Right. Um, So they lose when they're back in feudal Japan. They lose the scepter, and they can't figure out what to do. And so. Our heroes, who are supposed to probably use their brains and brawn to get out of the situations they're thrown in, here's their whole plan. So what are we going to do? Mm. How are we going to get home? Wait, 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 wait Rose, listen, listen, are you sure this is a dumb thing to do? No, it's a smart thing to do. Losing the old scepter was a dumb thing to do. I didn't lose it, okay? I like to have my head totally torqued. What's going on? They're filling <laughs> 90 minutes to make a real movie. Vamp. Vamp. <laughs> so this is their plan to get back. This is your plan? Yeah. You don't mean, you're not seriously suggesting that Donatello is going to make an incredibly arcane time travel machine, are you? Right, so they make a replica. Their plan is to make a replica of this magic <laughs> scepter. And then they have a guy do it, and he does it. And they've oh. drawn a picture that looks like Doc Brown's <laughs> flux capacitor picture. It's just an outline of something that they make out of metal. We have no idea whether it would work. And then they immediately drop it down a well. Yeah. So like 10 minutes of the movie it was completely wasted. There was a scene when they were on the beach. It was, you know, on the Oregon coast somewhere. I, the first 30 seconds of this movie is beautiful. It's like yeah. you see horses riding in this beautiful sun, uh, sun rising area. sun. Yeah. And then they go galloping down the beach at sunrise. And then through. And then that's it probably would have been sunset. Sunset. Because it was the wa- the sun was over the ocean. But Japan is the land of the rising sun. Oh, so sure. we have to re- we have to transport ourselves well, to on Japan. Just, Japan is an island. Japan, I guess <laughs> the other side. Well, would you recommend anyone seeing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three? No subtitle. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> Good job, Todd. <laughs> If we're keeping score, uh, Todd gets zero points. We should, yeah. Maybe we should keep a keep a score. <laughs> I kind of like of, that. Of if, if the movie gets a recommend, then the person who chose it gets wins. Points. We win Portland at the movies <laughs> at the end. <laughs> well, then, uh, what is next on our uh, film list here of things that we're going to review, Brian? I have chosen. Uh, this is this is cool. Um, the year 1992 was speaking to me because I narrowed my choices down to three movies, and they all happened to be made-for-TV movies from 1992. Wow. I ended up going with one called Homewrecker. <laughs> nice. Here nice. is the description. A computer scientist invents an experimental virtual intelligence that can manage and control all the functions for his vacation cabin in the woods. When he gives it a female personality, it becomes a little too managing and controlling, resulting in deadly consequences. Kate Jackson is the voice of the computer. Kate Jackson. Wow. Wow. That sounds amazing. It cooks. It cleans. It kills. Is the tagline for Homewrecker. <laughs> wow, that so, looks pretty th- amazing. Today we call it Alexa. <laughs> it's the proto Alexa. Yeah, so this was filmed in 1992, and it totally is like uh, 
uh, you know, foreshadowing things like her and Alexa. Yeah. Wow. Well, that will be interesting. Very. Well, that sounds a lot better than the one I picked. So uh, congratulations on that. Um, If people want to support Portland at the movies, Brian, what can they do? Please check us out on Patreon because we get no funding from anywhere else. Um, And we'd really appreciate it. uh, And it will help keep the show going for for many months to come. And you can uh, do that if you're feeling so inclined. Uh, Visit us at patreon.com slash Portland at the movies. I have to complete my collection of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles VHSs and get the out of the shell. Coming out of our uh, shells. Coming out of of our shells. Yeah. (laughs) Coming out. Why do I know That's what you should play us out with. Oh, I should. Oh, speaking of playing... Oh, I just shut the movie off, too. Or I just quit the thing. The (laughs) song at the end... Did you guys notice anything about uh, about the song at the end? Was that the uh, Tarzan boy song? Ooh, no. That well, that was the second half of the credits, which I love that song. Yeah, I do too. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> there was some interesting musical choices, uh, which is weird because you said uh, MC Hammer did the first did a song for the first one. Vanilla Ice huge with that second one. Yeah. This one had nothing. Oh, sorry, <laughs> except the New Line Cinema theme. <laughs> So uh, I was like, I was trying to pay attention to the song that plays over the credits because that's usually what I take us out with. Uh, so I'll start that a little bit, but I I want to start it and I want to see if you guys have any reaction to it. Uh, which, this movie starts and ends with a choreographed dance scene by the Turtles, by the way, which is strange. Full circle. Bring it back home. Full circle. <laughs> So you guys might be the exact wrong age to know this because we're all just far enough apart that like our gaps in each other's. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, that sounds exactly like a terrible rip off the jams. Pump it up. Of Pump Up the Jam by um, uh, by Bam, by Technotronic is who did the uh, Pump Up. The, so here's Pump oh. the Jam. Everybody knows this song. So I'll play a little clip of it here. Of course. So everyone knows this song. And I was pump up the jam, pump yeah. it up. So, and I was like, "Wow, they really went with a low rent Technotronic ripoff." And then I watched all the credits, and that is actually Technotronic. Oh, <laughs> with a different song <laughs> for <laughs> for the Not credits. Not a one other song. So yeah, their other song, sadly, which sounds exactly oh. the same as their first song. So anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yes, look for us on Patreon because we also do a show called Binsworthy, which is a new video series. Mark, tell us about that. <clears throat> Binsworthy is where we go and we visit the Goodwill outlet store and we find amazing things uh, that are Binsworthy. Right. And well, like, for instance, I did find the making of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles behind the shelves at the bins. And and Mark found this amazing uh, alligator hand back scratcher. Oh, and I love that back scratcher. The back scratcher is the best. So yeah, and that is a video so series that you can find on YouTube. Yep. Search for Binsworthy. Don't use your uh, voice your voice assistant on that because it will always turn it to Bingeworthy, no matter how much you try <laughs> to spell it out. Bins. So, <laughs> bins. Yeah, yeah, that's worthy. So find that on YouTube. Uh, listen to us on Fun Employment Radio, where you will hear this before you hear it anywhere else. Uh, they have a bunch of great shows. Um, I'll just continue playing this Technotronic song. No, no, no. I want to hear coming out of their shells. Oh, that's right. How could I forget? Have you ever seen any of the behind the scenes footage from that tour? The whole thing seems so depressing (laughs) and sad. Maybe this. I seem to remember somebody saying that the the costumes they used in that tour were either better than the ones in 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Oh, really? or, well, or the they were literally, ones. they didn't have shells like on their costumes oh, for that. Yeah. For some reason, they were, I don't, they were wearing like street clothes or whatever. Vests, I believe, is what they were wearing. But they <laughs> didn't have shells. In the first movie, all the animatronics were They were in, coming out of their shells. Yeah, all the animatronics were in the shell. In the second movie, they were all in the head and it was oh. all foam latex rubber. It weighed about 70 pounds and like a Nerf football would just soak up sweat. So they would just be... Like and and you could only breathe through a little hole in the mouth, so they like all the actors would get like carbon monoxide poisoning, and so they were death traps. I don't know what they were like on the third one, but that's what they were like on the second one. But um, here is out of our shells from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tour of the same name. Oh, this is so sad. Yeah. They've got the Madonna microphone too, and he's holding a microphone at the same. <laughs> he's got the two microphones that he's using. These poor actors. That is their life. Somebody thought this was a good idea. Someone, well, someone made a lot of money. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to be more depressed, go look up. Coming out of their shells tour in 1990 on YouTube, <laughs> and be glad that you're not trying to be an actor for a living. <laughs> we will see you guys next time. Bye. Also, funny to note that we we started with a reference to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. We ended with a reference to the tour, both of which are not the movie that <laughs> we reviewed. <laughs>